This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. Oh, you're back. Oh, barely. Thank don't know. God. Am I back? I'm back physically, sort of, but not mentally. Oh, I haven't been mentally here since 2011. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you've been physically here. So all it shouldn't the time. be too much There's of a some handicap. guy with a very skinny head. It's not the Rog I know. Oh. I loved your head fat. I miss well, it. I'm not losing weight in my head, Dave. I think I'm just finally going bald. <laughs> <laughs> Moving from skinny head fat yep. to you burying <laughs> your beloved mother. Yeah. Well, I didn't actually bury her myself, but uh, yeah, it was my mum's funeral. Thanks once again, all the GFOPs continue to... I arrived back in the office, Roger, and had letters from GFOPs, cards from GFOPs. It just meant the world and the uh, messages on Twitter, Instagram. Thank you so a much. A lot of tired ravens these past that. couple of weeks doing those transatlantic yeah, flights. No, do a raven really in, David. The uh, most remarkable thing, of, of course, and it was very nice at the funeral, way more people turned up than, than my father had catered for, which... Uh, or paid to show up, and he was very unhappy with the with the turnout because it cost him a few extra bottles How of wine and sandwiches. Exactly. Well, he paid for fifty, yep. and in the end, about one hundred and twenty-five. Sandwiches, croissant, or croissant. So he was very, he was very no, uh, a little crusts on actually. Ooh, it was a very fine assortment of pastries, sausage rolls. There were the uh, couple of pork pies, some well, scotch done, eggs. Mr. Davis. It was very good at Royal scotch Blackheath eggs. Golf Club. At the golf club, That's I used to play. This was an occasion. Yeah, it was at the golf club. The reception after the funeral was at the golf club I used to play at when I was Emotions. a junior. When my mum took me from my, to my interview uh, when I was I about 11 I, years old. I don't think they even had scotch eggs at Lady Diana's funeral. Yeah, no, maybe not. Maybe not. Trev. No, they were fine scotch eggs. It was excellent. Anyway, lots of people showed up. One of my favourite interactions at I the funeral, this. Rog, was with... Uh, a former teacher of my mother's. I'm gonna, I won't tell you what he taught or give you his name to try and protect the innocent. But a late in life education. A late in life further education teacher in the arts and crafts yes, in the area. Art, and we're talking a, a arts and crafts. possible for one of our future Parts and Crafts Today podcasts. Arts and crafts in the 1970s. And sort of a, a slightly sort of... You know, it's sort of a hippie area when you'd go to those further education art <laughs> classes in, in, uh, by down, way, in by the way, down in Greenwich. A book to be written, The English Hippie Era. Yeah, oh, the 1970s. London. It was amazing. And uh, the teacher who remembered me from being a kid and remind, uh, reminded me that I went there and took some lessons with him as well. He came up to me and said, I have to pay uh, your mum the greatest tribute. I said, oh, what is it? He said, well, <laughs> I had an affair in the 1970s. And I was like, oh. It's not Wait a minute, this is a time. I'm not ready to hear this. He goes, no, 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 don't worry about it. He goes, I had an affair with one of my students. Not your mother. Not your mother. But uh, when I went home and told my then wife, she was so upset, not so much that I'd had an affair, yeah. but that an affair had been with anyone that wasn't Brenda Davies. And she said to me, <laughs> if only it had been Brenda Davies, I would have understood and the fact that you're telling me you had an affair with somebody else, I think you're an idiot. I love that story. So it was, uh, it was, like, it was, it was the strangest compliment, and yet yeah. it, was, it actually made me feel really good. It reminds uh, me of that story that we told on the Sirius show. I'd once met in D.C. a low-level kind of flunky at the Czech embassy, a functionary, who told me that he'd once found his wife in bed with a man. He walked in, in flagrante, yeah. and he went to punch the man. Decent behaviour, standard behaviour. Um, only to pull back the sheets and discover that his wife was in bed with Czech hero Dominic Hasek. Hmm. And he was so psyched that Hasek had chosen his wife 
to make sweet love to that he immediately sent his wife out to get beers. <laughs> Ten minutes later, all three of them were in the living room, drinking a six-pack, eating sausage, and just chatting about hockey, which ultimately is all that is important. But that is a beautiful story about your 1970 life, arts. And maybe we all have that. that maybe we all have life that. Go down. Be, life should be that simple. A few housekeeping points before we jump into yeah. a monster, a monster agenda. Oh, you love housekeeping. Of football, sweet football. The Men in Blazers show. This is a warning to all of your children. We are back. Next Tuesday, December 13th, 5.30, I think, J-Dubs. After a real game of football, Dave, a yeah. game that people might actually want to watch what as opposed is it? to Lincoln the other one. Lincoln Town versus Altrincham. By the way, we were on last night with the great Victor Cruz. Yeah. We had the greatest lead-in other than the Meekham yeah. motor auctions we've ever had. What was Put it, David? Middlesbrough versus Hull, yeah. Rog. Are you, we don't, the you, big one. You don't need us to tell you that, America, because yeah. I'm sure your water coolers are still hot to the touch from all, yeah. the, all that talking that's been going on about that game. We are going to come on. After Everton beat Arsenal, David. Wow. Next Tuesday. Huh. We've got a real guest, too. Dipley. Finally, someone who knows football yeah. coming on our show. Major laser. And next week, with the football coming thick and fast, we are going to tape our pod later in the week. It'll mm. be our end-of-year holiday show, 2016, in review. We're going to have a few categories uh, that you will be able to vote for later this week. So check out our social where Lexi will post them all. And I, I believe, David. Our holiday merch. Yeah. Our annual holiday merch is about to sully the world. It is about to drop, as the kids say, Rog. Adidas have designed Men in Blazers national team warm-up tracksuits. Yeah, I know. Can't wait for these. We struggled with these a little bit, getting the design exactly right, Rog. It is a beauty. Comes out next week. Sign up for the Raven newsletter and you'll get advance warning of where to hide when these things come out so you don't get blighted by them. The difficulty for our merchandising brands, Rog, is that... On the whole, our brand is crap yes. and suboptimal. And yet we want our merchandise yeah. to be not crap and not suboptimal. Yeah. It's always slightly difficult for us to get it right. But at the same time, we've really, we have a tradition of supporting sweatshops across China, <laughs> which we've now broken by partnering with Adi yeah. in every regard. Yeah. It is very bit, much so. It is very optimal. By the way, it is Adidas in 1970s yeah. Liverpool. It's mm-hmm. oh, nice, Adidas. Adidas. Yeah, I've got my Adidas. Adidas. We got a pack show. We're going to break down an electric matchup between Bald Acceptor and Bald Denier as Antonio Conte's Chelsea come from behind to defeat Pep's Manchester City. We're going to relive the seven-goal thriller that saw tiny, tiny Bournemouth load up its slingshot and hit Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool right between the eyes. And we're going to duck and cover while talking Spurs five, Bob Bradley Swansea nil. That was what Mourinho would call a false result. <laughs> All that plus an El so unlucky, stupid the world. All that plus an El Clasico recap and an MLS Cup final preview. Rog to the football. Let's crack open the Guinness. Oh, what a weekend it was, David. One in which defences wilted yeah. and goalkeepers. We're as charitable as I've ever seen them in the Premier League. Especially Polish ones. At Shoeless Job tweeted us to say, was there a keeper Christmas party last night? They all seem hungover this weekend. Poor decision-making everywhere. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if Claudio Bravo had had Stecklenburg, Carrius, Fraser Forster and Boric round his house Friday night for an evening of mulled wine and Christmas caroling. Skull. Skull. Skull, Rog. Okay, we are now 14.38 of the way through the Premier League season. That reduces, Rog, to 7.19. Wow, 
That really makes it feel like we're almost halfway through. Okay, Man City 1, Chelsea 3, Antonio Conte's Chelsea. Uh, they should actually rename the club Antonio Conte's Chelsea, Rog, because it's not like any Chelsea we've seen before. Come from behind to defeat Pep Guardiola's Sky Blues. City took the lead behind an acrobatic Gary Cahill own goal. What a finish on the stroke of halftime. But in the final half hour, Diego Costa, Willian and Eden Hazard capped a series of incisive moves to keep Chelsea atop the table. City slipped to fourth. Oh, a massive game that did not disappoint. A game with more tactical adjustments and micro-nuances than Magnus Carlsen versus Sergei Karajin mm. in the World Chess Championships. By the way, the World Chess Championships, you really yeah. knew what kind of man you were. Yeah. I think it took place at exactly the same time as the mm. Victoria Secrets fashion. It's, it's very hurt producing the World Chess Championships. I think he's probably more likely yeah. to be doing the Victoria Secrets <laughs> yeah, fashion very true. modeling. Half my timeline was just obsessing over Magnus Carlsen on Twitter. Mm. The other half... Not so much. <laughs> I mean, this was a fascinating matchup. Conte, as Chelsea came in having won seven league games in a row, fielding just 20 players all season, opening with his now standard back three, the footballing equivalent of the Roy Lopez opening. Pep, the perfectionist, philosopher, tactician, kind of pictured him spending the week awake in his laboratory surrounded by bubbling burettes and pipettes, trying to distill the magical antidote to crack the Conte bat line having tinkered with a league-high 46... Incredible. League-high 46 players hmm. all season, Davo. He countered with the Queen's Gambit, and it started well for them. Pep came in, set up, and... Look, Antonio Conte was going to try and do what he does every single week. He's forced into a change, though. Matic, injured. He's got to play Sesk, Rog. The return of Sesk in midfield. Pep seemed to take advantage of this, and early on, Fernandinho... I mean, he sent messages early on in this game. Very... Hard challenge on Nahidin Nazard, uh, brought him down to the ground. And then a challenge on Victor Moses that, frankly, uh, my timeline was filmed with people saying, why on earth was that not a yellow card? But it might have been that the whistle had gone already. But certainly, Man City, they tried to hurt them straight down the middle like a battering ram. Trying to suppress the space on the field. Both teams did. High lines, three at the back. City trying to exploit whatever crevices they could. Jailbreaking down the flanks. Both teams committed to keeping it interesting with moments of dodgy defensive decision-making that made both sets of fans live the first half permanently braced for disaster. And the first big talking point was a moment of physicality. David Luiz's body check on the breaking through Kun Aguero. Aguero, what a fantastic player. He's physically so strong. And that might have counted against him a little bit because he might have just been able to stay on his feet. I'm not sure that the ball was close enough for that to be a red card, but almost certainly, you could watch it called, you're going to see that as a yellow card, you're going to see it as a foul again and again and again. Was not called, don't really understand why it wasn't called, but, you know, he was letting them play early. And these two have real history. See an unpunished two-footed leaping tackle by Aguero into Luis's buttocks in the FA Cup semi-final 2013. Producer JW pointed out to me he said the non-foul he said it was merely the Premier League scriptwriters following the playwright's rule known as Chekhov's gun mm. to wit if you say in the first chapter that there's a rifle hanging on the wall in the second or third chapter it absolutely must go off because if it's not going to be fired it shouldn't be hanging there yeah hashtag foreshadowing yeah 
Well, it didn't really uh, matter because not long after, Man City opened uh, the score. Judge Ivor Bennett. Huh? Yeah, Jesus Navas. The much maligned Jesus Navas. Much maligned. Navas. Doesn't hit his man in the box very often. Didn't hit his man this time, but he might have hit an even better man than one of his own men by hitting Chelsea captain Gary Cahill, who somehow goes for the ball with his right leg, turns himself around, perfect finish into the top right corner over Thibaut Courtois. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Navas. I'll disgruntledly concede. Vastly sharper under Pep. Fired that ball straight into Arlo White's corridor of uncertainty. And Gary Cahill, he got his right foot, his alt right foot, to the ball. <laughs> A more magnificently athletic own goal you won't see. Cahill's mentor, I imagine John Terry just looking on from his box and nodding with appreciation. You've learned well, apprentice. You've learned well. We should say that Arlo White's corridor of uncertainty is anywhere near Gary Cahill. That's, that, that's <laughs> enough. He could be, he could be in, in the, the centre circle. He could be in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's oh, the corridor I of uncertainty. I did love Cahill's face when the camera panned in for that masochistic close-up post-goal. His head on the turf, blades of grass still stuck to his English cheeks. And he looked up longingly like a medieval peasant aware that human's only task is to suffer bravely in the face of cruel fate, unrelenting cruel fate and the tortures the gods dispatch test men during their lives that are doomed to be nasty, brutish and short. God, I love... You know what? I'm starting to love Gary Cahill. <laughs> he's always... He's, there's always there's a story. A, there's a little bit... Something of, always happens. There's a little bit of Gary Cahill in all of us. A yeah. lot when it comes to me, to be candid. In that second half, David, yeah. City opened intent to put the game away. Well, look, and they'd certainly been on top in the first half as well. Chelsea had had a couple of chances. One John Stone's giveaway to Diego Costa uh, really stands out. But Man City were on top in the first half, and they came out at the beginning of the second half just intent on closing out the game and finishing it. Courtois saved sharply from KDB. The people's hero, Gary Cahill, blocked Aguero's shot off the line. After also giving the opportunity by not playing the ball when it was coming back to I him. think he tried to finish it, to be candid. I've looked at it 112 <laughs> times with I'm on a, I'm on a double. I'm, I'm sure. on a hat-trick. I just couldn't get my foot around it. Yeah. And then KDB. Oh, sweet, poor KDB. The miss. Ball fizzed in. Uh, it was coming in hard from Navas. Uh, KDB instinctively goes to strike it and uh, hits the bar. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, to spectators' eye, it did seem easier to score than to miss. But the pace of that cross, yeah. KDB charging towards it at full tilt. Lesser players, like Kevin Morales, who had a similar chance for Everton, but didn't get within two yards of the cross, and it yeah. just kind of bobbled across the goal mouth. KDB made that look easier than it yeah. really was, I think. Yeah, I told you, at halftime on the, on the British telecast, Gianfranco Zola and Thierry Henry, two pretty good strikers, both said after the game that that chance was actually way harder than it appeared to yeah, be, and both of them had missed worse. They're both, they're both well-known ginger rights activists, <laughs> and KDB is just a Flemish one day. Yeah. But oh, that miss, and then they cut to Pep on the sideline, dropping to his knees in agony. Yeah. All that tactical calculating that he devoted his week to just frittered away when his players couldn't convert the chances that it created. And so, for a second week on the run, the storyline changed. And it became all about Chelsea's, and I say this with awe and admiration, because I think it's the marvel of the season, mm. their mental tenacity after conceding. It is astonishing. And for me, it all comes from Antonio Conte, just the character that he's so quickly fostered in his players. Yeah. I and mean, how he's transplanted it from himself into the DNA of this squad. It's, it's amazing. He is now the one who knocks quite clearly in this Premier League. And his team, they don't need the ball 
what they really crave is that moment, that moment of vulnerability, that moment when an opponent inevitably makes a mistake. No team in football more coiled to exact punishment than Chelsea, and so it was. Yeah, after the game, Pep Guardiola said that you know his team lost not because of the goals they conceded, because of they failed to put away their chances, which is true. But also, they managed to concede twice, three times in that second half. And you're right, it was the mental tenacity of Chelsea. The first goal, oh my God, Fabregas. You know, a lot of questions about Fabregas. Where does he fit in in the side? Obviously, he's not in the starting eleven. Spanish London Donovan. Oh, he's my back. word. What a ball, though. Uh, from the centre, finds Costa. Costa, the control was superb. Everybody's screaming for handball, but it wasn't. Uh, brings the ball down, controls it, just turns Otamendi inside out, Rod, and finishes into the inside right post. Yeah, I mean, Diego Costa, the player of the season so far, involved in 15 of Chelsea's 30 goals, 11 goals, 4 assists. In Game of Thrones terms, he's um, Sir Robert Strong. Mm. Conte as Kyber. Did Sir Robert Strong have four yellow cards? Uh, for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Sir Robert Strong also came back from the dead. Yeah. And watching him, oh. just opponents fear him this season for all the right reasons. And it's something I want to understand. How has it changed? Some people say it's his diet. Yeah. I see a real mood change. Just yeah. a switch has been flicked mentally when you watch that player. On yeah, the you hear from market. a lot of people that his fitness coming into the season, his diet has massively improved. And that's, uh, that's changed something. Obviously... You know, it's not like he hasn't had his scraps with Antonio Conte. We saw just a few weeks ago him yelling at Antonio Conte uh, from the sideline to substitute him. But there's something about this manager, obviously, that's working for him, that this team, teammates, that's working for him. And he just, oh my God, he just works so hard. He's he a punisher. Works so he hard is a he punisher. Just, he just has a desire and a will to put that ball into the back of the net. It just must be... I constantly look at it, and I think it must be so exhausting to be a defender playing against Diego Costa. So exhausting. City stunned, as the great Joe Lewis once said. Everyone has a plan until they're punched in the mouth. Chelsea second, really only a matter of time. It was a beauty. Full length of the field affair. Really like watching Manchester City see a banana skin, point to the banana skin and then willfully threw themselves onto it. Principle of Pep's plate that he took from Johan Cruyff is always to have more defenders and attackers. He talks about it all the time, just as his basic principle of football. And for that goal, they did. But both self-combusted. Otamendi, oh, it was like watching someone knowingly be sucker-punched. And Bravo on that goal, Dave, I don't know what he was doing. Oh, the Willian goal. I mean, amazing. It, the, the ball seemed... I mean, Courtois had a good game. Courtois made two or three extremely good saves in that game. And that only highlighted the fact that Bravo does seem to be playing without arms or hands. Yes. I mean, he's getting his good, arms... Good which, with his feet, though. Yeah, but it's useful so for a goalkeeper. Say. Useful for a goalkeeper. The only man on the field that can use his arms and hands. On this one, it's To a, actually it's use their arms and hands. It's astonishing. He didn't so much as try and save this ball as just usher it past him yeah, to make sure it, it felt by. comfortable in the corner yeah. of his net. He's like a glitching Westworld host. It's what yeah. he is. I can't believe that Joe Hart would not have saved at least one and maybe two of those Chelsea goals. Also thrown one of his uh, rollouts right into his own net. So it's I guess potential. you, get, you get your pros and your cons. But City were like a dog on the choke chain. The more yeah. they attacked, the more Chelsea looked like scoring. Yeah. Hazard's third goal at the death, just salt in a self-inflicted wound. City had, I don't know how many chances. Mm. Chelsea just took theirs and that was the big difference. They even yeah. scored City's goal. City huffed. <laughs> And puffed, often quite beautifully, but they couldn't find the back of the net. In fact, the signature memory of that game from a City perspective is just watching them implode at the death. Mm. As Robert Ford says, these violent delights 
have violent ends. Aguero on Louise too. Yeah, that was, uh, you talked about the earlier challenge. They have previous, um, and this was a pretty horrific challenge. I don't know how Pep could say after the game that didn't think it was intentional. You just can't get your studs <laughs> that high <laughs> just with that by accident. Um, it was a pretty horrific challenge. By the way, at the same time, I actually applaud what David Luiz said after the game, that you know he wasn't going to throw him under the bus for the challenge. He thinks he's a great competitor, thinks he's a great human. And this was, you know, this is a rivalry now. These are two teams going to play for the league, you know, fair play, but they lost two control. Team, two teams that are going to compete for this league. Yeah. Head to head, potentially with Arsenal, yeah, over and over again in the next decade. Right now, it is about these two teams. They know it's mm-hmm. going to be the two of them battling to the death on repeat. Well, maybe it could be more teams. I think Man City lost control. Uh, Chelsea didn't. And this is the footballing equivalent of a child flipping the game board in defeat. Moment of rash decision making that will haunt City. Guerrero now banned. For four games, this was his second suspension for violent conduct mm. this season. He's going to be out for the key clash against Arsenal, December the 18th. The moment that was just astonishing to me was watching Sesk and Fernandinho yeah. square up. I, I, so I went out on Saturday night with a huge NHL fan, and he's like, you have to explain to me what Sesk was doing, just taking hits to the face without retaliating. I, I was just blown away by the guile of Sesk, a former hothead, turned experienced gamesman, just drawing violence. It was like watching Rosamund Pike, I said on the show, in Gone Girl, someone who calculated his opponent was falling like a redwood and he merely just had to step out of the way. A real glimpse of a pro at work, a man with a short fuse, Sesk, who's learnt from being in Fernandinho's position in many, many, many past lives. It was a remarkable human thing to watch. Never made eye contact, just spat to provoke him. Yeah, no, look, that's certainly true. And Sesk, look, he's been a gamesman and a master gamesman for a lot of his career. But it also counts on Fernandinho being insane and stupid at that point to get lured into it and to keep on pushing him, to keep on pushing him, to keep on pushing him and not understand what's going on and then get red carded yourself, which is going to mean Out for three games. Yeah, suspension for him as well. You actually watch that. He takes a look behind him. He sees the advertising hoarding yeah, and, and then he falls over, over it. It, it, was, it was World Wrestling yeah, he had his Federation crash pad position quality just before Seth. he went over as well. Horrible ending though. Born in 90 minutes of frustration for Manchester City, just boiling over. Unbelievable for me to watch Chelsea in a fight for once as the good guys. Yeah. But City's great sense of disappointment and chagrin just overfloweth. Pep's team had a plan. It worked, but they couldn't execute at the very end of the field. And Chelsea could just lethal clinicality, ruthlessness. So frustrating for a team like Manchester City with their ambition. Chelsea became the first team to beat Pep at the Etihad. By the way, if Chelsea behaved like City did, in that kind of a fight, the back pages would oh be feasting God. on this for how yeah. long? Well, probably the rest of the season, Rog. Anyway, look, Chelsea have now won... Eight straight. Yeah, amazing. Rog. 22 goals scored, yeah. two conceded, half of those by Gary Bloody Cahill. Yeah, I know. Their best, uh, their best record in 10 years, uh, I think, Rog. And it doesn't happen by accident. Having said that, this is the second week in a row in which Chelsea have won a game where they weren't necessarily the better team. Yes, by the one standard, they put the ball into the net more times than their opposition. But really, for large parts of the game against Spurs, they were outplayed. For large parts of the game against Man City, they were outplayed. But this is where Conte is so key. He's got this team believing in themselves and taking advantage of those key moments. And in so much sport, that's what it's about. Conte, 
looks at his December schedule. West Brom, Sunderland, Palace, Bournemouth, Stoke. Oh, we're doomed. Conte beginning to look as unstoppable as Anton Chigger with a cattle prod. Hmm. What's the most you ever lost on the coin toss? Tony Poulis. Poor City. Not one at home. This is astonishing. Since Bournemouth visited on the 17th September. I think most worryingly for Pep, his City, just two clean sheets all season in the league. They haven't played the same back four in consecutive Premier League games. 24 personnel changes through the 14 games across that back line. Really tactical positions that crave familiarity, relationships, communication. I think it's that kind of instability that tends to wreak to havoc. But a lot of it also speaks to the lack of confidence they have in the man behind them, Claudio Bravo. And that is a very hard for me to make that strong case for Man City winning the Premier League unless Claudio Bravo has a sudden and lasting uptick in form. It's a political problem more than a tactical one. Yeah, but you know how I feel about Vigo. I'd like to see him back between the sticks. Okay, Rog, Bournemouth for Liverpool. Three. A ho-hum game transformed into an instant classic by the introduction of one player, five-foot-four-inch Ryan Fraser. He came on at the Cherries trailing 2-0, earned a penalty, scored a goal, and assisted on the game-time goal to complete what will now be forever known as a wee-man hat-trick. Scrappy-doo! And in the 93rd minute, with the game tied at three, Nathan Arke pounced on a rebound to earn the Cherries their first-ever victory over Liverpool, who slipped a third in the table, Bournemouth in 10th. And it all began with such optimism. Liverpool had had two hard-fought games against Southampton and Sunderland, who kept 10 men back behind the ball, denied Liverpool a space they craved to twist their opponents into knots. Klopp welcomed that visit to Bournemouth. The tiny, pugnacious foe that have moved up divisions by emphasising positive football, even without the injured Coutinho. Most Liverpool fans, they expected this to be a return to goal-scoring service as normal. And so it seemed to be from the off. Mostly thanks to, I'd say, probably one of the most avant-garde goalkeeping performances I've seen from goalkeeping liability, Artur Boric. Well, yeah, two versions of the same problem. First one, (laughs) he doesn't come out for it and just lets Mane just slip in on goal. Second one... He comes out for it. Two minutes, four seconds later. Thinking, I don't want to do what I did before. I'm going to come out for it Does this do time. Does the exact opposite. Uh, yeah, but then he doesn't claim it when he probably should have stayed uh, 2-0 to Liverpool. Oh, and Origi finished absolutely exquisitely on that second one as Boric was just exposed for the Polish Claudio Bravo that he is. At Mathis, Eric tweeted us, was this the most suicidal charge by a pole not on a horse in human history? I don't know, but I do know Europe has 743 million inhabitants. It's just impossible for me to believe that Arta Boric is one of the top 20 goalkeepers we can find out of all of those people. It did feel like game over. At halftime, I almost tweeted from an Everton perspective that I wish the Blues had routine wins like Liverpool do. Mm. Even at 3-1, Davo, did still seem over. But as any Golden State fan knows all too well, 3-1 don't mean crap. Yeah. Especially as Bournemouth unfolded an unexpected ace from the pack, Davo. Yeah. Ryan Fraser, and super he, sub. And he might not have come on had Junior Stanislas, we love an English player with a foreign sounding name, got injured, gets carried off, yeah, and on he comes the pride of Aberdeen, uh, Rod. <sighs> 22 Ryan Fraser. years old. Yeah. Languished after a move from Aberdeen. He'd been on loan in Ipswich, of all places, producer JW. 
And on he came. Oh. Wasn't really a great piece of tactical thinking. They just flung him on. And it was like watching Scrappy-Doo breathe new life into yeah. the Scooby-Doo franchise. Because yeah. just when Liverpool seemed to lose their focus and intensity, as they have done all season, Fraser just started a charge at Liverpool's defence, always so suspect, so brittle, under pressure. And so it was. 55 minutes, Fraser comes off the bench. 56 minutes, Fraser wins a penalty. 76 minutes, Fraser scores. 78th minute, bloody hell, Fraser. Assist and it was 3-3. He was just direct. He was compact. He was pacey. He had nothing to lose. Just kept charging into that space that injured Liverpool defender Joel Matic would have been in, Davo. Mm. It was glorious to watch. Yeah. Just thinking, did Scrappy-Doo come in and reinvigorate and breathe new life into the scooby I hated Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, I really so did. did. I. I think that's an insult to Ryan Fraser. I think he's much, his impact has been much bigger than Scrappy-Doo. Oh, culturally, I think Scrappy-Doo still hovers large. Yeah. But I have been thinking about Bournemouth in recent weeks as the Scrappy-Doo of the Premier League. But yeah. Fraser was just Scrappy-Doo mm. incarnate. Even though I hate Scrappy-Doo, I've got a huge, huge respect for the way Ryan Fraser did it. I will say complicit in all this was shell-shot Liverpool goalkeeper mm. Loris Karius. Loris Terrell, the Knight of the Flowers, just has played in a puddle of his own self-confidence since making his debut. Liverpool, yes, you've replaced the inconsistency of Mignolet with the consistency of Carrius, but that consistency is consistently crap. And in the 93rd minute... Oh, my God, they win it. This is what was so impressive about the comeback, Rog. They didn't just come back, they came back and over, Rog, and actually... Won it. Steve Cook, pretty speculative shot from outside the area. Carius can't hold it. He says, hello, friend. Yeah, and uh, Nathan Ake, a Chelsea loanee. Very significant uh, with the uh, battle going on at the top of the table between these teams. Ake, he gets in, slips it in. Oh, I've got an eight-year-old daughter who loves watching Ake. She says he looks just like Corbin Blue <laughs> uh, from High School Musicals 1, 2 and 3. At yeah. the crazy Seth, big carts and mini carts must be losing their minds right now. Yeah. Hashtag Pyorgy mm. on the sideline. There ain't no Klopp. party like a mini carts party. On the sideline, Jurgen Klopp, ashen-faced. How much will Virgil van Dijk cost them uh, in January? That price must be soaring. But my favourite moment, mm. just the face of Eddie Howe, Bournemouth manager, a childhood Evertonian, watching his team beat Liverpool for the first time in their history. Mm. Just a look of total boyish joy. Just the most poetic human experience. Real testament to everything. Everything, David. What, what you're saying is, love about football. is that this was basically a Merseyside derby win for Everton. <sighs> I wish. Yeah. I wish. You've got to get your happiness where you can take it, people. I should note, in defeat, Jurgen Klopp was a remarkable mensch. I mean, he walked round the field, congratulated every Bournemouth player after their astonishing victory. Few managers have a sense of perspective like Jurgen Klopp does. And it was amazing to witness just a noble awareness that in the hour of his defeat, a humiliating defeat, a painful defeat, mm. that same moment he knew was an unbelievable achievement for his opponents and one worthy of his respect. It was mm. really magical to watch. OK, Rog, West Ham won. Arsenal, five. Oh, the misery at the Olympic Stadium, Rog. And Alexis Sanchez hat-trick in the span of just 14 second-half minutes. Highlights an impressive Arsenal performance that vaulted them into second in the table and left Hammers fans to hit their vape pens and lament their lone goal scorer being substitute Andrew Thomas Carroll. With a piranha-infested swamp that is November now behind them, mm. Arsenal moved on to the next troop in their groundhog season, the ritual injury to Santi Cazorla. Surgery required on his tendon in his right foot, out for at least three months. 
I feel like when they send that news out, it feels like a scheduled tweet that I receive on this day every single year. Nerves were jangling because the win percentage for Santi in the side, 65.5%. When he's out, it's just 41% over the last two years. But this was a performance that belied all those fears. Against West Ham World, a technologically advanced themed amusement park populated completely by synthetic Android hosts who cater to high-paying guests who can come in on that football field and do whatever they wish on it without fear of retaliation from the host, the jolly little rat man. Oh, poor Santi. Get well soon. You may have been away, but Arsenal still had Meza Ozil and Alexis Sanchez, Dave. The way West Ham are playing, they could have won just for those two against the eleven. For what a combination. You said earlier that Diego uh, Costa might be the best player in the Premier League this season. I think it would be hard for to not put Alexis Sanchez in that conversation as well. Those finishes, Rog, that hat-trick, those 14 minutes, what he did was mesmerising. 14 minutes, 29 seconds. He is the perfect package. Control, pace, surprising physical power. He's a Labrador rights activist too. His beautiful wow. dogs. Huh. And another winger transformed into a phenomenal central attacking threat mm. by Arsene Wenger mm. in the style of Thierry Henry. It wouldn't be Arsenal if there wasn't a sadomasochistic tinge to every moment of joy. And the fact that Sanchez's contract negotiation is grinding at plate tectonic pace adds pain to every thrill. The Evening Standard reported that the Chilean and Ozil both want, to, they both want Paul Pogba money, hmm. $370,000 a week. Mm-hmm. but the Gunners are offering $255,000. Doesn't really make you hopeful as an Arsenal fan mm-hmm. when Arsenal tells the papers that the club's values and ambition may be more significant than money in convincing Sanchez to stay. Mm-hmm. I think a man can't live on values and ambition alone, Dave. Yeah. What a hot mess West Ham are they? Yeah, unbelievable. This Olympic Stadium uh, still hanging around their necks. Uh, like an anvil, so many good players on that team. Uh, Bilic seemed so much like the right manager for the job, but that move away just seems to have just been a sucker punch that they're just finding it so difficult to get over. I mean, Payet lolloped against an Arsenal he's been linked with in the January transfer window. Sad sight at the weekend, Slavan Bilic, when Sanchez scored that stunning third with that hop, skip, fake and chip. Oh, which made the ball boy behind the net all wide-eyed and yep. open-mouthed. The cameras cut to Bilic in his technical area, hands in his pockets, and he was just nodding, totally defeated. And he seemed to mouth, David, my lip reading, not, yeah. not the greatest. He either breathed, this is it, or this is <laughs> Either one of which, different kind of worry for West Ham fans, David. Especially oh. when you think this is a London derby, Rog. London derbies are not usually this lopsided. They're usually very close games because it means so much to the fans who live in close proximity to fans of the other team. It really means a lot in terms of bragging rights and the players pick up on this. Just so <sighs> odd to see such a one-sided game. One note, massive love to Arsenal's Brazilian defender, Gabriel, who had the courage to be interviewed midweek about the Chapa Quentz tragedy. Yeah. A video in which he broke down, as he recalled, playing under now deceased manager Chow Jr. when he played club football back in Brazil. He talked about wanting to call Chow Jr. on his recent birthday, but he admitted, I never got round to it, and Mm. now that chance is gone, at which point he started sobbing, and then he looked at the camera and said, never put off tomorrow what you can do today, which are words to live by. So, so true. 
Uh, Rog, that Arsenal victory, very, very impressive. A little overshadowed, I think, this weekend because of the uh, big game between Chelsea and Man City. The other result and performance that blew me away, Tottenham 5, Swansea 0. The greatest blow for American interests abroad since. It was a false result. Yeah, no need to finish that. Spurs pump five past Bob Bradley's Swansea, a team that's now allowed nine goals in their last two games and slips to the foot of the table. Statistically, apparently, this may have been the most one-sided loss in the history of the Premier League. Don't say I didn't warn you. Last week... I said that Swansea's slapstick yet adrenaline-filled 5-4 victory over Crystal Palace that they seem to accentuate their weaknesses rather than improve upon them. And how sad yet true <laughs> that turned out to be, David. Because for the second week on the run, Bob had his opponents where he wanted them, mm. scoring four goals. His team couldn't muster the requisite five in response. And by the time Christian Eriksen ultimately did make it 5-0, yeah. Tottenham were so dominant, Eriksen didn't even bother to celebrate. And Bob Bradley Swansea, they're now rock bottom, having picked up just five points from the seven games he's overseeing, leaking 19 goals in the process. What do you make of it? I don't know. Look, I mean, there are two ways of looking at it. I do think it is depressing because I remember reading on Twitter, you know, when every American analyst tuned into that first game and they lost to Arsenal 3-2. And everyone's saying, OK, it's OK. These were just defensive mistakes. They're all entirely fixable. And he wasn't hired to beat Arsenal. Yes, but... You're right, and he's not also hired potentially to go and beat Tottenham away from home, but you're also not hired to get outshot 28-1 to uh, by Tottenham. You're not hired to go and lose 5-0 uh, at Spurs and, and to create really no game of football. It's not competitive. Having said that, Bob is doing this without his own players. Bob is doing this having not had a chance to go in and mould the team. And I think he's going to get the transfer window. I hope he's going to get the transfer window. And I think he's going to get a chance to go and do it. But I, something's going to have to change quickly because right now, and you look at the teams around them, they just look in real trouble for the drop, Rog. Yeah, I mean, um, right now he's fielding Gilfie Sigurdsson plus 10. Is really how he's approaching it. That 10 seems to change week in, week out. His team have shown life at times. That draw that was almost a win against Everton. But in this game in which Swansea set out to shut their opponents down, but they still leaked five goals and had no plan B at all once they had fallen behind. They were simply snuffed out. The Daily Telegraph reporting today that Bob Bradley's position as Swansea City manager coming under scrutiny as part of a, quote, wide-ranging review into how the club can climb off the bottom of the Premier League table. That three-game run that they've got coming up against Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and West Brom, all teams who are suddenly a tad more menacing than they sounded a month ago when we started a point to this as a time for a good run. Irrespective, it will still be definitive. And as Mad Men's Peter Campbell would say, not great, Bob. (laughs) Okay, Rog, uh, another team who were on the brink and needed this very, very badly. Crystal Palace, Rog, they beat Southampton 3-0. How Super Al got his groove back! Pardew's Palace end a six-game losing streak behind a James Tompkins goal and a Christian Benteke brace. Palace three points clear of the drop in 14th now. Roger all of a sudden. Southampton in 12th. Super Al entered this game clinging on to his job by the amount of payoff money the Crystal Palace board clearly didn't want to have to give him. A Benteke-powered win, the first after a Fraser forced a botch miss kick. He's never looked more like a future England number one goalkeeper to me, David, than when he did this. He just whiffed at the ball 
with just about a quarter of the power that Jose Mourinho would use to lay waste to the sideline water bottles. Pluses for Palace, clean sheet, and Pardew was emboldened enough in victory to ensnare poor Palace chairman Steve Parrish into the most awkward public thumbs-up exchange mm. the Premier League sideline has seen, and then saw fit to lambast his American bosses, 76ers owners, Josh Harris and David Blitzer. He said, the chairman got a bit edgy this week, as you'd expect. We have a lot of serious investors at the club who perhaps don't know a lot about football. And the chairman, he's been defending me. Yeah, look, of course, I'm going to be pro-Steve, my old school chum. Uh, and I actually think it says a lot about him that he did stick up for his manager. He's a guy he likes. He's a guy he respects. He's a guy who he knows when he came into the club, took them from a very, very bad position and did very, very well. And I think he wants to see Alan get another chance. Alan got another chance. Alan managed this week to do something with that chance. We'll see what happens as we go forward. Uh, but this was a big win. I'd say Alan challenging the American owners is walking into a buzzsaw, perhaps mildly yeah. intentionally, because telling the new owners that they don't know anything about football so mm. that they don't appreciate that six straight defeats is not a stackable <laughs> offence, nor yeah. is having the worst points return of all 92 teams in England in the calendar year of 2016. Woof! Yeah. Super, Alan. Yeah. It was refreshing, though. I always feel this about when managers actually say something real and reportable in a press conference. I do... F- one thing, appreciate that Alan actually went out and said what was on his mind so we can talk about it. Are you saying Super Alan, Super Alan Pardew is just a radical truther? He just speaks utter truth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I I've think, yeah, I thought, even, it was, I thought it was great. I've got even more respect for him. I've been watching that thumbs up from Steve Parrish <laughs> over and over again. It is the single most awkward. He tried to pretend he hadn't seen it and he's sitting by a former Palace legend, Mark Bright, who then elbows him and points to, uh, to Super Al makes him actually lock eyes with him and it gives him like the most awkward and tentative thumbs up probably in the history of thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> okay Sunderland to Leicester one a Robert Huth own goal and Jermaine Defoe strike Jermaine Defoe Rog what a legend they see Since Sunderland to him, claim to just take it all on your own shoulders and run with it, mate. <laughs> yeah, Never exactly. pass. Keep yeah. shooting. Believe in yourself, Jermaine. You can <laughs> score goals in the Premier League. Uh, they see Sunderland claim their third win in four. Climb within a point of safety. Oh, three big wins for David Moyes' team in the four games. Since Roger, talking about himself in the third person, visited yeah. Sunderland. Yeah. The curse of Roger is a blessing. A blessing, I tell you. Yeah. But darkness descends for Leicester. No longer facing a putative relegation scrap. They're in it for real. Yeah. 13 points after 14 games. Worst record for defending champions in Premier League history. At Lacey Dentist says, this is the dream year I imagine last year as a Leicester City fan. Wake me up from this nightmare. And slightly brighter <laughs> news for Ranieri against Barbara Streisand. Yeah. She told me this is the hardest thing for her to bear. It's Sophie's choice for producer Lexi. Yeah. And Team Barb. Yeah, I'm sure Ranieri will be greatly cheered up by that Roger I do laugh though that you referred to talking to yourself in the third person the entire curse of Rog concept which you which invented which I didn't create is, is, I is, 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 is in the third person it's a third person concept Rog oh, it's not real ok West Brom as 3 as off to Manchester City <laughs> yeah. Jermaine believe in yourself you can score goals Jermaine, in the Premier League Jermaine stop passing the ball I know you can just do it just be a little more selfish you can do it Jermaine West Don't... Brom 
That's very Alan Partridge. <laughs> West Brom 3, talking of Alan Partridge. West Brom 3, Watford 1. The Baggies continue to defy Tony Pulis by scoring more than a goal a game. Johnny Evans, Chris Brunt <laughs> and Matt Phillips. It's kind of like Neymar, Suarez and Messi, Rog. Uh, their goals see West Brom to up to 7th place, Rog. Yeah. Their 20 goals are one more than Manchester United. West Brom are on fire. <laughs> oh, God. I've got to say... The behind-the-badge curse may be even stronger magic than the, than the curse of Rog. Yeah. It really is, Davo. Chelsea-West Brom this weekend is actually going to be a fascinating matchup. I just said that. More Tonys than Hamilton. Tony Conte mm-hmm. versus Tony Poulis. Only one Tony will be left standing at the end and hold the copyright to defensive solidity. My money's actually on Tony Poulis. TP versus TC. Stoke 2, Burnley 0. A nuanced John Walters finish. And Mark Muniesa's first Premier League goal cap a fine Potter's performance that ensures they stay mid-tably enough that we'll never have to show Mark Hughes on the Men in Blazers television show. That's so true. Rebecca Lowe's point. Middlesbrough 1, Hull City 0. Gaston Ramirez tries unsuccessfully to steal the spotlight from fourth official Mark Glattenberg by scoring the game's lone goal at the Riverside Borough up to 14th. Hull slip to 19th, Rog. In all seriousness, the Monday night football schedule is chosen by Sky. They have to do every team and they are trying to get all of the teams they actually think and no one cares about out early. So they can feature more games on Monday Night Football that really count at the business end of the season. What you're saying this is we're going to get better, we're gonna get better lead-ins We're going to get Rebecca in Lowe back on Mondays okay. before we know it. Very, very good. Okay, Rog. Hmm, interesting. Everton won, Manchester United won. The toffee sale of Marouane Fellaini bears fruit three years <laughs> later. It's like a sleeper agent, Rog. The former Everton man entered in the 85th minute with his side leading 1-0 behind a Zlatan goal. Rog, only to bumble into Adressa Ghana and gift Everton a penalty. Leighton Baines coolly converted to split the points. We are so unlucky. To paraphrase Tolstoy, all happy families are alike, but each unhappy Mourinho team is unhappy in its own way. Mm. United, we know you're capable of playing superlative football, but oddly you're reserving it for the Europa League and the League Cup. This was... This was a grinding game of football between two low-on-morale teams, scrapping it out staccato style, slightly nasty edge. Rojo, two-footed tackle on Ghana, set the tone for the game, waved fair by the referees. Latan defied physics to ensure he fell directly onto Seamus Coleman and then face-washed his cheek with a Swedish cleat. And finally, and brutally, Anthony Martial quite innocently went shoulder to shoulder with Yannick Balassi, who came off the worst and is now out for the season Amazing. with a torn ACL. So United looked like a team just bleeding confidence. And for much of the first half, they reminded me of an England team in which no player really wants to step up because to step up, you could fail. And if you fail, you'll become the scapegoat. And so they needed a moment of Everton's self-destruction to gift the lead. Zlatan's goal, poor, that's welcome uh, by Man United fans. But what an odd goal it was. I'm not sure I've ever seen a goal like that in my life. Yeah, Stecklenburg charged out of his area like a Dutch Arter Boric. And Zlatan's muscle memory did the rest. He unleashed a shot that was like a full-court three-point buzzer beater. Went off bar post. And then I'd actually picked Ibra for my togger team. Mm. Uh, with Gallo's humour, I thought if I defend myself against the worst-case scenario, it might not come no, to pass. Pig Rog. But it did, Davey. It bloody did. 
and Everton, they kind of toiled. They had no creative focal point. They lacked the ability to really hurt United. Lukaku went into sleep mode. Mm. And when they did create chances, Avid De Gea kept them at bay. You had Ronald Koeman. He needs to get a bigger raincoat. That girth just spilling over. It's not a good look. Alongside his counterpart, Jose Mourinho, who chose to watch the game from an unusual vantage point for him. Oh, what the dugout. The Manchester United bench. Amazing. <laughs> a perch from which he made a fatal late error. In judgment. Yeah, 85th minute, the substitution. Off comes Mkhitaryan, on comes Marouane Fellaini, uh, Rog. You're thinking, oh, he's going to secure the result. This that's is what, what Mourinho, Mourinho does. That's what, he, that's what he knows to do. I lock down games. Not this season, Rog. He doesn't lock down games. Uh, Fellaini comes on, and just the clumsiest, clumsiest of fouls <sighs> in the box against Adrissigana, penalty. Leighton Baines isn't going to miss that. Yeah, he was on for less than two minutes, and then Fellaini... Gunnar Fellaini, a man I once loved, Davo. Yeah. And watching his cameo performance. He loved him again this weekend. Yeah, I've still got a certain fondness for him, I realised. Yeah. He may wear red, but his heart still beats blue. And cluelessly, clownishly, level Garner, Leighton Baines, a man I still love, a man I will always love, made no mistake from the spot, a critical goal for Everton. A big point for that team to stop the brutal rot. But from a United POV, just as they've done against Arsenal, they let a late lead slip. They've dropped seven points from goals scored in the last 10 minutes of a Premier League game. More than any other side. Astonishing, Davo, for a Jose Mourinho Where side. would they be in the table if they hadn't have leaked those goals? Where would they be? They'd be three points off the top wow. if games finished after 80 minutes, which is the most un-Mourinho-esque. So un-Mourinho-esque. Un-Mourinho-esque. I mean, he was so frazzled. After the game, he claimed that I'm trying to transform the style of Manchester United. He said, I'm trying to change it as opposed to, quote, the style over the past two or three years, a way to skip over the uncomfortable symbolic reality that he has less points than either of his two maligned predecessors at this point of the season. His United have just won two of their last 11 Premier League games. They're 13 points behind Chelsea, nine off the top four. And the greatest problem, their two weaknesses, defensive inconsistence and the inability to lock down a game, they're completely counter to Jose Mourinho's hallmarks. And yet they're playing well in the Europa League and the League Cup, Rog. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Why? I don't understand that, why they're doing well in the Europa no, League. No, I don't. Maybe because it doesn't matter as much. Maybe because the pressure is releasing them and they want the league so badly. They want it... They just want it too much. But it's very, very hard to understand. I think this is confusing. Spoke to some Man United fans while I was in England. And they just, they're just so confused by it. They don't understand. It's like they're seeing two different squads. It's like England in friendlies and England in tournaments. Very, two very good point. different realities. But the poor Manchester United faithful, who once were reared on the luxury of Fergie time, to see Mourinho with his spidey powers waning, losing leads over and over and over is utterly befuddling. Everton survive. And in other big Everton news, news, news. Yeah. God, this is mind-boggling to me that this story was so big. Everton manager Ronald Koeman was mm. forced to change the colour of his red Christmas tree by angry Everton fans after he'd tweeted a photo of it hung with red decorations. Mm. He had to repost a photo of it quickly with his wife having redecorated it with white baubles. Huh. Yeah, these are the kind of wins which are really important. 
Yeah. Probably our biggest win of the season that day, mate. So many goals this weekend that people, not us, but other people, put up an absurd amount of Togga fantasy points. This week's winner, Alvin Chiang, tallied 284 it's points I've got Rod, season. to earn him a special Men in Blazers fantasy patch. For those of you not in our league, it's a weekly game. Just download the Togga app on your phone, select your perfect 11. You'll be all set for next week's game. I'm enjoying it so much, oh, uh, Rod. I'm enjoying it slightly less now. I can't feel Lyndon Gooch. <laughs> Interesting. Heal quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a battle between football clubs that are essentially fantasy teams, Barcelona won, Real Madrid won, Rods. Sergio Ramos rescued an El Clasico point for Real Madrid in stoppage time after Luis Suarez put Barcelona ahead in the 53rd minute. Los Blancos stay six points clear of Barca in La Liga. Slightly disappointing, oddly disjointed affair. Mm. Barcelona missed the opportunity to close that gap at the top. Real missed the opportunity to topple Barca with Lionel Messi having one of his most suboptimal performances in a Clasico. But in a game with Messi, Neymar, Suarez, Ronaldo and Benzema, Ray Hudson was really the one that delivered. Mm. This game, more tense than 100 wigwams, (laughs) he screamed just before Suarez opened the scoring off a Neymar cross, which threatened the end of Real's unbelievable 32-game unbeaten run. He's touched with his pass, soft as a slug's beer belly. He screamed uh, just before Sergio Ramos used his meaty Spanish forehead to tie it up in the 90th minute. It's trademark time to score big goals in big games. As these games go, bit disappointing, yet we should never take a classic out. With so many of these players possibly starting to pass their peak, Iniesta, Ronaldo, Messi amongst them, their clashes are not infinite. We should never take them for granted. And by the way, my big note from this game, I'm beginning to think Ray Hudson's been faking these orgasms all this time, David. <laughs> they were very un-El Clasico goals. They were sort of Andy Carroll-esque, uh, Rog. Anyway, fascinating encounter. OK, MLS, Rog. Saturday night, Jordan Morris and the Seattle Sounders will travel to Toronto to take on Sebastian Giovinco's mob in the final of MLS Cup. Oh, I can't believe it's almost over, Dave. That conference final, as the old Taylor used to say, never mind the quality, feel the width and the passion. Toronto 5, Montreal 2, conference final second leg. It was bonkers. It was like Swansea 5, Crystal Palace. Like when Gus Van Zandt remade Psycho as a shot-for-shot replica of Hitchcock's original. It was almost identical, just frenetic, headless stuff. Toronto won ultimately by scoring seven goals over the two legs. In the process, Josie Altator became the first player to score in five straight playoff games. Delight to see him on form again. Physical, confident, actually enjoying his football for the first time in an age. Josie in Toronto. It's like Josie at AZ Altmar. Striker who believes he's going to score and change games, as they say in Germany. Good, Josie! (laughs) MLS Cup. It's going to be a wonderful clash Saturday night. Seattle defied all doubters all season. Slovenly start. The loss of Oberfemi Martins and poor Clint Dempsey. Get well soon, Clint. It was meant to doom them. The coaching change sparked a late season run into form over the last 14 games, propelled oh, by a wonderful gent, Jordan Morris. I, yeah. I, I mean this utterly, Davo. He didn't score in his first five games. Yeah. Seemed buried by the hype. And then just a mental resilience to unfurl a 12-goal season. Big goals that mattered, thriving under the opportunity to lead the line and not having to defer to his elders. He and that Uruguayan creator, Nicolas Ladero, have been a delight. And to watch them go up against Josie, Michael Bradley, Giovinco, 
in a sold-out Toronto stadium. It's going to make this too close to court. I'm really thrilled that Jordan is going to join me for a pre-MLS Cup final pod on Thursday. He's matured as an interview subject over the course of the season, just as he has on the field. Can't wait for that, Rog. We should say Toronto FC versus Seattle Sanders kicks off 8 p.m. Eastern Saturday on Fox Network, uh, Rog. Enjoy every second, Alexi Lalas. We should say congratulations to Jill Ellis, Rog, and Carly Lloyd, both named to the final shortlist for 2016 FIFA Best Women's Coach of the Year and FIFA's Best Women's Player of the Year awards. Bright sparks at the end of a tough year for the U.S. Women's National Team. Okay, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet, philosopher, sucker, scribe, Raven of the Week is at the real Nandez, Rog. It's a short one, but a good one. <laughs> it's the Conte kiss on his player's cheek at the final whistle. The new Klopp bear hug. Oh, I think you're getting carried away at the real Nandez. I mean, I think in the wake of a Conte kiss, you never really know if you're going to be taken out into a lake and shot in the head Frido style. Huh. Or whether he really means it in a good way. But a Klopp hug. And I speak from personal experience having yeah, had one. Yeah, you've had one. You yeah. haven't had a Conte kiss, though. I'm not sure I want a Conte kiss. Really? Though. Yeah, I've got to say, a clop hug. It's as close as a grown man can get to climbing right back into the womb, David. Yeah. Is this humanly possible? Yeah, I'd like both Can't of them. Beat it. I haven't had a clop hug. I haven't had a, I'd, like, I'd like both of them. God, I'd like hug. If you get both at the same that time, would be a threesome. Be <laughs> that would be a threesome. That would uh, be like Alexis Sanchez and his two Labradors. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, okay, Rog, your weekend looks like this. Saturday, it's Leicester City versus Manchester City. At 12.30pm, a four-game Sunday kicks off with Antonio Conte's Chelsea versus Tony Poulos and West Brom at 7am Eastern time. That's followed by Man United versus Tottenham at 9.15am. All those games on the NBC family of various networks and cable networks. Uh, there are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon, frightens big or small, just click off the Emporium page. And Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What book are you putting in the Emporium this week, Roger? A book! <laughs> oh, Pep Guardiola. Yeah. The Evolution by Spanish journalist Marty Perrault now. Mm. Headed to Manchester right after taping, David. Going mm. off tonight to spend yeah, some are. time at Manchester City. And this recently released volume, it was just the greatest preparation. A fly-on-the-wall chronicling, remarkable access of how the Catalan sought to adapt his own footballing ideas after arriving at Bayern Munich from Barcelona. It was a wonder to read, not just from a footballing perspective, but from a leadership, innovation and change POV. It makes you realise that he's come to City after stewarding Barcelona, who will always be Johan Cruyff's Barcelona, and Bayern, Beckenbauer's Bayern. So for him, City are the first team he's managed who can truly be his. Read it over Christmas. It's absolutely fantastic. OK, can't wait, Rog. Got some tweets recently. Uh, about the pens that we are sometimes holding on the TV show and sometimes on after the uh, pies. These are my favourite pens, Rog, and they're so Christmassy. The Papermate Flare Porous Point Felt Tip Pen Medium Tip 12-Pack in green, Roger. Particularly enjoy a green pen, but don't try filling in official documents with it because uh, it's not strictly legal. A bargain at just $10.55. That's just for a pack of 12. I like a medium tip. Uh, Rog, not a fine point. I don't like the ultra fine. I like a medium tip. Always improves the quality of my handwriting, uh, Rog. And as all of us type more, we often need all the handwriting help that we can get. Oh, that, when I shot that Christian Pulisic film, yeah. I walked down the main street in Dortmund. Mm. And when I looked at the cut with him, I was mortified that my blazer was not um, 
was not buttoned up and yeah. the wind kind of blew it so yeah. my, my freeman's tweed thing is just flapping around yeah and then i felt super relaxed because all i could see was the little signature green pen oh, the green pens. It looks beautiful we should get in touch with paper mate and we should do a men in blazers green pen <sighs> we should do that we do already i've got one in my hand uh, yeah it is I where's the it? logo it's implied <laughs> it's, be- it's better for not having a logo <laughs> yeah, very good okay visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter which we produce with our partner Guinness we've got a special MLS Cup final issue going out Friday with a tactical preview with Fox's John Strong follow us on Twitter at meninblazers at embassy davies at Roger Bennett on Instagram at meninblazers at embassy underscore davies Facebook men in blazers you can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com you can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho Vendapunk Rog War pig! Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosion! Courage! Take that, Gloria! Is that your analysis? To tweed! Abrogado, rock on, mate! Kung Fu fight in America! Kung Fu fighting, Rog! Come on, Bob! You can do it! You can do it for America! And Swansea! Let's not put it all on, Bob! <laughs>